When Koji Suzuki was a school teacher, he made the mistake of trying to spice up his lessons by telling his students stories that interested them, stories leaning more towards the horrific and terrifying. Like most children and adolescents, they were fascinated by the stories, which naturally led them to bug and pester Koji for more stories. They wanted to be frightened. They didn't want the funny stories or the touching stories. They wanted something scary. Thus, as most storytellers with an audience captivated by their scary stories, he gave them more of what they wanted. When he ran out of stories he'd heard or been told himself, Koji, already fond of conjuring stories and characters, began creating his own tales and sharing them with his pupils. He realized early on, while telling these tales, just what scared them and what was needed to push the right buttons to keep them on the edge of their seats. He would begin by saying, This scary thing happened in New York. And then he'd tell a tale about something that happened far away. It soon became clear that what scared his students, what made their pulse raise, and what fascinated them was the idea that whatever was happening to someone unknown was something that could also happen to them. Welcome to House of Words, a podcast about writers, horror, and videotapes. I'm your host, Jason Moore Harden, and kicking off our three-episode series on horror literature, we explore one of the most impactful Japanese horror novel series ever, Koji Suzuki's Ring. nothing certain in our future. All we can hope for is a vague continuation. But in spite of that, you're going to keep on living. You can't give up on life just because it's vague. It's a question of possibilities. End quote. Koji Suzuki's past is draped in more mystery than most of our previous subjects. The following is what we here at House of Words managed to gather. He was born in 1957 in Hamamatsu, Japan, located southwest of Tokyo. He attended Kiyo University where he majored in French. After graduating, he held numerous odd jobs, including a stint as a cram schoolteacher. The father of two daughters, Suzuki was and still is a respected authority on child-rearing and has written numerous works on the subject. He acquired his expertise when he was still a struggling writer and a stay-at-home dad. In order to make ends meet, Suzuki also translated the children's book The Little Sod Diaries by the crime novelist Simon Brett into Japanese. On jumping forward to 1990, we find Koji still living the life of the struggling writer. During this year, however, he would release his first full-length work, Raoken, which means paradise in English. Raoken went on to win the Japanese Fantasy Novel Award, giving wings to his career as a fiction writer. Koji had no pre-planned plot when he began working on what would become the first of the Ring books. 
He instead opted to follow whatever came into his mind, whatever inspired him to write. Thus, Ring was born when he felt he was able to create a story which had the ability to span through time, something that struck him as extremely interesting. Not being a connoisseur of horror movies or horror stories, he simply allowed himself to be driven and inspired by the story itself. He had no initial intentions to write horror, but, alas, as the story revealed itself to him, it held his interest and fascination, so he continued to type. According to Suzuki, when he worked on his novels, he wasn't really conscious of what he was doing. Since the plot was never a conscious decision, it was just something in the air that would set him off, leading him to write. He enjoyed the fact that, even as the writer, he never knew what was coming. He believed that this was a vital element in the creative storytelling process. He hypothesized that if he couldn't read ahead in his own mind to discover what was to come, neither could his readers. If the story kept him interested and invested as the writer, well, undoubtedly it would do the same to his readers. There were a plethora of thoughts and experiences piled up in his mind that were revealed through his writing. Now, despite saying he wasn't aware of it, there were still elements, obviously, of his experiences with his students floating around in the back of his mind. The initial thought that sparked Ring was, what if four men, or four girls and boys, died of an unnatural cause, but in different locations at the exact same time? What if they had a mutually frightening experience? From this, he allowed his imagination to run free. What could they have had in common, he wondered. Could it have been something they had caught? Like perhaps a virus? He continued this train of thought and wondered if it could perhaps be a virus that kills exactly one week after someone is infected. Meaning that, at some point, these individuals had to be together in the same place. This led to the question, what could this virus be? Perhaps a toxin in the food, he wondered. Nah, deciding to toss that idea. A ghost? Hmm, yes, but nah. Realizing that in the time period he was writing, a concept like this would perhaps escape the interest of the younger generations of readers. Still pondering about what exactly this so-called virus could be and how it could spread, his two-year-old daughter came teetering towards him, leaving a videotape next to him. Coincidence? Perhaps. Divine intervention? Aha. And then she teetered off again. The idea hit him like a bolt of lightning. What if the four infected protagonists had caught the virus from a haunted videotape. So, instead of a coherent, logical story, on this tape was a string of fragmented scenes that made little sense but caused a sense of dread nevertheless. And when he wrote about the images he imagined would be on the tape, he had to refrain from thinking logically and instead 
randomly line up the thoughts that were floating around in his head and just type them all out at once. Koji would then put himself into the lead character Asakawa's shoes to analyze the video images he had described. That's when he realized that the images would need to be separated into two categories, images that were floating or hidden in the scenes of the videotape and images that could actually be detected and seen on the tape with the naked eye. Working on different levels, these images would ultimately serve in infecting the characters. Still, many more questions needed answering. How were the images seen by this haunted antagonist copied onto the tape? Were they broadcast from somewhere? Were they the result of pirated signals? How was it recorded? Then, yet another idea flashed into his mind. How about a psychic with extraordinary powers? He then began looking into psychics and wondered if it could be Ninsha. You know, the ability to project images onto paper, photographs, etc., with the mind. Satisfied with his findings, he continued to explore the phenomena. He would read up on extrasensory perception, or ESP for short. Before this, there were no thoughts of putting a psychic in the story. Not really an interesting concept in the beginning. Diving deeper into the subject, however, in particular, reading up on Professor Tamokichi Fukurai, who dealt with the subject of ninja. The story of the ring really began to unfold. The crux of the story, however, really didn't land until he was actually writing the conclusion. Copying the video would be the key to the cure. This revelation would only materialize to him after revealing everything that his protagonist, Asakawa, had seen. The success of Ring grew into a sequel called Rasen, meaning spiral in English. Not completely satisfied with the reasoning in his first novel, Koji wrote Spiral as an attempt to explain the phenomena that occurred in Ring, both scientifically and medically. He felt that the concept of watching a videotape that led to your death seven days later made too little sense for comfort. There simply wasn't, nor is there, any basis for something like that to exist. This bothered him, so he ventured to find a solution. He concluded that all human disease and illness is more or less influenced by a state of mind. For example, stomach ulcers come from stress. Stress is psychological, lacking a physical source. So, even if a person is physically healthy, that person's mind can affect their health. In short, he decided that by watching the video, a sort of consciousness is activated. This consciousness in turn sends signals to release a virus-like substance through the body which triggers human cells and ultimately causes heart attacks. By the end of Spiral, the character Takayama Ryuji comes back to life. Once again, he paints himself into a corner by going into the realm of the illogical. And so, yet again, he felt compelled to find a way to explain this in scientific terms. This would then grow into the third and final installment in the series, Loop. Loop, the third novel in the trilogy, 
would take things much further and shows that the world of Ring and Spiral take place in an artificial reality. The killer of the two prior novels becomes a monster able to mimic AIDS and cancer, essentially becoming the diseases. Now, the reasoning behind this was that it's not in cancer's best interest to kill everything in its path, because if the cancer spreads at too great an extent, the host will die, and so will the cancer. His protagonist, Kaoru Futami, a youth mature beyond his years, hopes to find answers in the deserts of New Mexico and the Loop Project, a virtual matrix created by scientists. Ring, which was occasionally written with one of his babies on his lap, catapulted him to fame, selling 2.3 million copies in Japan alone. The sequels, Spiral and Loop, cemented his reputation as a world-class talent. Often called the Stephen King of Japan, Koji Suzuki has played a crucial role in establishing mainstream credentials for horror novels in his own country and also in spreading Japanese horror to the rest of the world. As usual, let's end this episode with a quote from the storyteller who literally went with the flow. While I've written Ring and a few other horror pieces, I'm really not a fan of horror. I've written on other subjects, with much of my work pertaining to the ocean. I just happen to have written the horror story successfully. End quote. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and will spread the word about the podcast. Once again, I have been your host, Jason and Moore Harden. We here at House of Words ask that you please consider helping to make this show easier to produce and more frequent by contributing on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash houseofwords or paypal.me slash houseofwordspodcast. Alternatively, you can subscribe and encourage others to subscribe to our YouTube page, House of Words Podcast. Every little bit helps more than you might think. Until next time, keep turning those pages. House of Words is written and produced by Christo M. Sanchez. Narrated and edited by me, Jason Lemore Harden. And music by Creature Nine and Wood. All rights and ownership belong to Christo M. Sanchez and Jason Nimoy Harding.